I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good plan, good plan. Who thought of this one? You're listening to the Out of Sanctum podcast. Here is a moment in time in the history of the AFL. In from the side, Houghton. She was surrounded by blue jumpers. Bounce on its point, wow. Craig Willis. That's my best, Craig Willis. Welcome to the Outer Sanctum, where six middle-aged women talking about football is barely enough. (laughs) (laughs) Speak for yourself. (laughs) I'm Emma Race, one of the oldest ones going around, beaten only by Felicity Race. How are you? Beaten only by, yeah, not by much. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. It's nice, actually, to have all six of us in the room again today. How are you, Kathy Sia? You're back in town. (laughs) Kath? Kathy? Uh, I'm just going to sit here Kitty in Kat? silence until you use my proper name. Dr. Kate's here. Thank you, <laughs> Professor Emma Race. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. Just don't call me Kathy, please. Oh, my gosh. Hello, Dr. Nicole Hayes. <laughs> oh, I did finish that PhD after all. Yeah, you did. I'm good. How yeah. are you? Yeah, really well, thanks. And if we've got the professor... He's Marianne. <laughs> How are you, Alicia, sometimes? I'm so pumped, especially because I saw you twice on a bus on the way here. So twice. Do you mean actually travelling on the bus or do you mean a sticker <laughs> of my face on the bus? Your face there on the you bus. Go. Yeah. Um, sorry about that. How are you, Lucy Race? I'm very happy to be here and also officially the oldest woman in the I room. I know. Oh. Okay, sure. I'll go with that. Oh, I'm pretty sure you're not, but that's okay. Let's have a birth certificate off later. <laughs> We will need to see nationality and birth certificate. <laughs> Mine's a fake age, one, okay? Anyway. Um, so it's finals time. What better time to kick off with Omen Watch, Kate's here? It is. So it's the first ever uh, final edition of the Omen Watch. So 2017, according to the Chinese zodiac, does anyone know what year it is? Rooster. Monkey. Rooster. Rooster. Lucy Race. Okay, so I've spent a bit of time this week drilling down into the Chinese zodiac and how it works and seeing whether or not there are any messages in here for all of us, and I think there are, as we'll see. So, um, you know, obviously it would have been pretty straightforward if it were the year of the dog or the year of the tiger, but it's neither of those. It is the the year of the rooster. Uh, (laughs) I got it out there, sorry. Oh, Alicia, sometimes. Um, so the the omen is not obvious because it's not one of those years, but it, it doesn't mean that there's not a message in, in here for us. So I think, as most people will know, under the Chinese um, zodiac system, every 12 years the cycle repeats. So each year is named after a year of a particular animal. So... 2017 is the year of the rooster, 12 years ago was the year of the rooster, 12 years before that and so on. So I went back and looked at those years to see who had won the premiership in each year of the rooster to see whether we we could glean anything from this. Now, I I went back as far back as 1897. (laughs) Can we not hear them all, please? Because I've got a lot of time on my hands, clearly. That's a really old rooster. (laughs) It is. It's looking a bit... It's about as old as Lucy Race, actually. (laughs) Um, 
But I looked back to 1897. The reason is because this is when the VFA was officially established. And so in many of the records, this suggests this is the kind of first premiership under the VFA system. So I'm going from there. And that coincidentally was the year of the rooster, 1897. So that premiership was won by Essendon. The next year of the rooster is 1909 and the premiers were South Melbourne, so Sydney. So both of those teams are still in the finals race. Then we skip ahead to 1921, Richmond. We skip ahead to 1933. Most Sydney Swans fans will know this is a most auspicious year because Sydney won the flag and then they waited 72 years to win again. 1945 and 57 I'm ignoring because neither of those teams were in the final. (laughs) And it doesn't kind of sit with my my omen, my theory, so just ignore those. 1969, Richmond. So we've got a couple of Richmonds, a couple of Sydneys. 1991, we ignore that again because that was Carlton. They're not in the final. And then we come to the last two years of the Rooster, which were 1993, Essendon, Mm. and 2005, Sydney. Sydney. So of the various years of the Rooster we've had, we have two premierships from Richmond, two from Essendon, and three from Sydney. And I feel that this could could say something for us. I feel now, like you're leaving out GWS. Well, <laughs> they weren't even born the last rooster year, were they? It does put them at a disadvantage, yeah, that's true. But look, what's interesting is that apparently the Chinese character or name for rooster is chicken. Um, and, but I wonder it's, where they got that. It's amazing. I know this is Wikipedia told me this, so it must be true. But in some languages, I think it means more like bird. But in any event, the rooster is the only bird included in the zodiac, so I think we know that that means that Adelaide, well, yeah. a bird, eagles, a bird, crows. That's right, a bird team it's only is half going of to win. The teams, but bombers isn't it? fly. Oh, oh bird like, well, cats look- eat birds. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and tigers are big cats. Yeah. And anyway, giants squash you everyone. First. You heard you first. So basically, we can make anything fit. For your theory. No, no, that's quite a scientific system. I would say mm. this is true of all of them, really, isn't it? I have an omen watch and it's more to do with organs. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been contacted by a listener called Laura who said, Ladies, my mother has taken omen watch and the 1% to a new level this week. In 1997, she had her first hernia repair at the start of the final Ooh. series. Crows went on to win the grand final. She just got out of surgery for an emergency surgery repair, and this was the first thing she said to me, dedication. We agree, <laughs> Laura, that is taking wow. the 1% yep. to the next level, good and good luck to your that mother. Yes. I, wonder, wish her well. wish I her wonder if they're um, testing her on the track like they were Rory Sloan mm. yesterday mm. to see whether he's he was out there running, ready mm. to see if he can play this weekend after having an appendix out mm. nine days ago. Crazy, crazy. I have another omen watch. Oh, great. Yeah, and, and it's more love for the crows. This came from Ellen. They're all crows fans in their family and her dad lives rurally with some outdoor cats. He went outside in the morning this week to find a big black bird eating out of the cat's food bowl. He says this means the grand final will be a Geelong v Adelaide matchup and the crows will win. So I'm hoping he's right, says Ellen. You know, I spend most of my time thinking that the six of us are actually mad. And That's, then, yeah. And, and we then meet other people. <laughs> people email us and then I go, oh, hang on a minute. Well, you know what finals time is? It's when you check the use-by date on your milk and you go, by the time this milk goes off, we will know who won the preliminary final <laughs> or we true. will know who is Premier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I still get that childish thrill when I see my birth date on the milk use-by date. <laughs> 
same. Same. I feel really special. Like, like they've oh, made that milk wow, just for it's me. Coming. Yeah. Just before I was pretending to do the Craig Willis and then I did the start of, I went like this. Oh my gosh, I feel sick. It's finals time. If you had really done the national anthem, I was going to say, if you had really done the Craig Willis, you would have announced everyone like Felicity Race, Lucy Race. Let's get into the AFLW State of Origin game was on the weekend. It was so fun. Alicia, you were watching the coverage. You were watching it on TV. Yeah. Did did that look faster, more elite? Did they all look more skillful than you had remembered from the start of the year? I think it was reminiscent of the previous year and I think the levels were amazing and sitting there with, you know, there was four of us all sick under a doona <laughs> watching uh, the footy and I just couldn't be more proud and I thought it was up there with any game I've seen. The only thing, of course, was the runaway you know, mm-hmm. not having it be closer. Yeah. But watching the coverage, I think the announcers did it with the respect it deserved and it, it, it's it's firm in our calendar now, you know. Yeah. I think it's awesome. And what was it like at uh, Docklands? It was a great atmosphere. Yeah. Um, we got along early and watched some of the under-18s, mm. which I think was so awesome to see and it's a shame that it wasn't televised it was a it was actually a really close game so the Vicks beat the Allies by 10 points it was so entertaining and skillful and Jess Allen from South Australia won the Ladder Champ Award so you'll remember Ladder is the Mm -hmm. uh, charity for the final series and so Jess Allen was the one that was awarded best player what I thought was really interesting is this is a, a, a group of players who haven't had a gap in their football playing. So these girls have had the advantage of some of the academies, some of the TAC Cup, the changes that have come in there. And I think you can see the effect of that on their football. The skills were awesome. Mm-hmm. But the game, even though it was a bit one-sided, I think was still really entertaining, the state of origin, because there were so many goals scored mm-hmm. and it was just... I loved seeing all of those household names out there. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I really picked it wrong, though, because I really thought that the Allies mm. might have had that yeah. one. So I. Like I knew, you know, we talked last week about the Victorian midfield and that was going to be hard to beat, but did Victoria kick like the last 13 goals of the match straight? Something so, like that, yeah. Um, the one thing that, that really got me, though, was the crowd, again, was just a beautiful, diverse mix of people and... It does bother me that people really focus on the numbers of people. Mm. You know, mm. I, I actually don't even know how they calculated that because the gates were just open. Yes. Mm. Uh, nobody counted uh, me I'm as I walked sure. in. Donald Trump said that there were one or one and a half million. <laughs> really? Yeah. Did he? Yeah. 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 But um, no, it was, it was really lovely. And again, there is just something special about being at women's football mm. where the crowd's different, the joy's different, but people are getting more into, more familiar with the players and, and there's more of your regular football banter now, which I really like. There was a few things I noticed from the crowd. I was sitting behind the interchange and behind the bench and I saw there was just lots of behind me, it was just big groups of women who were obviously all from footy clubs, like mm-hmm. lots of teams had come together and I, they were yeah. very vocal and it was a real celebration for them. But just a few things that I noticed, Alicia Eva, the speed with which she runs to the boundary, is team, it's team first, it's her mm. really leading by example. But not only that... Um, she was really vocal. She was really, as she says a lot, I think she's um, going to be an 
an excellent coach, but she was getting pretty vocal um, with everyone. And they were laughing around, having a great time. The Vicks, like the yellows, not so much. Um, <laughs> but the other thing I noticed was Darcy Vessio, who has done her PCL and and probably won't play for the finals season uh, series for the, in the VFLW. But she was sitting on the Vic bench, and these lots of little girls kept coming up and tapping on the window Aww. to get her attention. She is a superstar, <laughs> and they is. were just yeah. love. They were just loving, so you know, having yeah. that access to her and she seemed to be getting a lot of joy from it as well. You uh, yeah, it was it was fun going to the game. Um, just the atmosphere was great. I I, I really wish the AFL got behind it, uh, or at least there'd be more publicity because we just kept hearing that whole line about there being no football this weekend. I'm like, yes, there is. So, but at least the people showed up, and it, you know, the, as you say, the vibe was great. And we had the Box Hill Hawks girls right near us too, which was really fun. But my highlight, I thought it was adorable that Lily Mithen, um, right in the middle of the game, was told she'd won the best and fairest for Geelong for the VFLW, which was just so cute. Pretty cute. I think you you hit on something there, Nick, that there was a bit of discussion about whether it was given enough publicity. Mm. And one of the things I thought that I know that if you follow the AFL women's Mm. on socials, then then you do get all of that information. But the the straight AFL website Mm. and the AFL Instagram and all of those socials don't necessarily, they seem to have sort of put women's under a a different tab. And I think that's maybe an opportunity missed. Yeah, Yeah. it's possible. I I saw on um, social media, Alicia, that you spent a bit of time with Emma King over the last couple of days. That's right. Um, uh, Last week we weren't at the podcast, of course, because Nicole and I were at the Melbourne Writers' Festival and we got to chat to Emma King and uh, she is just adored by many. There were so many people mobbing her. She also got to speak at uh, my primary school that I'm involved with and again people just rushing and screaming and (laughs) surrounding her and this is the thing about uh, AFLW players going into schools because there were so many kids there who didn't barrack for a team but they walked out. They are definite Collingwood supporters now. They got her to sign t-shirts, bits of uh, tissue paper (laughs) Um, they wanted their, their hands signed and they love her and now it's this big Collingwood thing going on so a hint for AFLW to get some of the I know I mean I know everyone's stretched I'm not blaming the girls for not going out but uh, and I'm sure they do but we spoke to Emma King and um, I was going for the allies because of her and I think it is that thing of the relationships we're building with people Mm. and how hard is it we know people from either side we fall in love with players but she's just one of my favorites number 60 standing so tall (laughs) she is just one of the most awesome players and I think I'm fully firm and until Hawthorne do have a team mm. that I'm with Team Collingwood. I actually thought she was going to be the difference. Yeah. I thought yeah. that that's mm. the di- big difference in the midfield for, you know, taking on the she, midfield. She won the rush. And she did win. Yeah, yeah. She, of course she did. But, mm. oh, gosh, there were some hard hitters running through in that big V. Emma Zilke, just a little update on her. That was really nasty, that hit. Uh, she really yes. she really copped it. But I've noticed on social media she's sending out messages saying that she's mm. going to be fine, she's going to be okay, she won't get right. home for a little while, but she's going to be okay. That was really rough. It was actually that last in that last quarter there was allies just falling everywhere and that's what you don't want to see no. in those kinds of games no. because you know that they've got other games to go to. Are we ready to move on to talk about the final The AFL-M. The AFL-M. I did notice actually in an article I was reading someone referred to the AFL-M as the AFL-M and I thought, oh, oh. 
taking I'm off. taking credit for that, by Yeah, the way. you should take credit for <laughs> that. So It'll be on Wikipedia one day. Your mum must be thrilled because Dusty has re-signed. <laughs> she is. She's yeah. so excited. Although there had been a false start when Felicity Race texted me a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, I think, yeah. to say, tell fake your mum. Fake news. I know. Fake hashtag news. fake news. Hashtag fake mm-hmm. news Felicity. So, um, yeah, but my mum is thrilled and I think most Richmond supporters are too. It's a big coup to get him. He's just a sensational footballer and yeah. um, it's it's wonderful for them and it puts it aside, I think, now that you know there's, there's not going to be all that kind of speculation and so on during the finals. Yeah, it's good to do it and especially before this is going to be an absolute cracker of a game, mm. Geelong and Richmond, and I have heard people say that Geelong have really got the eye of the mm. tiger. <laughs> oh my gosh! Ooh. What does that mean? Kind of confusing. Yeah. It's really confusing. What does that mean? But they've really got their game face on. But before we talk about those games, I just want to quickly touch on Alicia. Sometimes you've got some advice for people whose teams aren't playing. Well, just finals? really quickly, because I was thinking about okay, it's a calm time for all of us, and for eight teams, uh, their supporters, it's a it's a calm time. And sure, you can follow a team in the eight. But I was thinking of um, bucket lists in the in, in the meantime. And, um, and then I'll come back with a sensible footy thing. But <laughs> I was looking at bucket lists and people say things like, uh, you know, in solve a Rubik's Cube, learn to juggle, send a message in a bottle, all those things. They sound normal, right? <laughs> One of my friends wanted to create a card uh, with inspirational sayings on them and leave them in random places for strangers to find. Now, that's just too nice. Um, I thought that you could, uh, in your office space, you could meow every time you received an email. Uh, You could wrap a snake around your neck. That could be on your bucket list. (laughs) Throw a dart on a map and go there. I actually did that and ended up in Finland. Um, Find a cemetery that gets Wi-Fi. And approach a stranger and just say to them, it's our destiny to meet and see what they say. (laughs) But failing all that, I mean, I'm sure you guys have your own bucket list to do in the finals, uh, but you could read Susan Alberti's book, The Footy Lady, The Trailblazing Story of Susan Alberti in your time and, of course, watch Heroes and and, and do all those footy things. But uh, what are you guys doing? Well, I get really into the finals. Like Mm. I probably won't hang my colourful football bunting. As I usually would do. The brown and gold. You do have an opportunity though this year for it to look nice, like the colours. Whoever, but I don't know who to go for. Right. But I'm really, I'm really, I'm just interested in the games. I'm, I'm finding it. I feel like it's going to be really close. It's going to come down to the wire. I feel like there could be curses and upsets and new histories written. I feel like there's each team has a story. Like there's Mm. not uh, Mm. like even Sydney, who I think are just looking spectacular. That they've come from so far behind, and they're just proving to be this complete powerhouse. And they don't have the double chance, so they're going to have to do it really. I love watching the finals actually when my team's not playing Mm -hmm. because I feel like I can watch the game differently when I'm, Mm. you know, when I'm not as heavily invested in my team. Mm. I can I can relax. I enjoy the spectacle. I kind of. Yeah, I, I enjoy it a lot more. I, I, and I can't wait for it. And I think all of the games this weekend are sensational yeah, games, actually. Yeah, I, I genuinely don't enjoy finals when Hawthorne's in. Like, I just actually don't have fun. It's just hard work. I have to concentrate the whole time. <laughs> like, I can't let go. I yeah. have to think about everything I'm doing. Mm. And this time I can just sit back mm. and from America, <laughs> where <laughs> half of it will be, mm. and just actually watch football and enjoy it for the, the spectacle it is. Yeah, the thing that I miss, and if you have been involved in a, a club that's been in finals before, get involved in this, is the carnival around it. Oh, it's yeah. the yeah. open training sessions where, you know, where your club normally trains and there's, you know, 15 
cheer squad members there go down to an open training and there'll be you know tens of thousands of people all on board with the same dream and the same idea and there is something beautiful about being around all the supporters of your team so get involved in that sort of stuff go to the grand final parade mm. you know do all those sorts of things that AFL live um, site at the G which will coincide with school holidays that is epic that is so much fun last year my daughter got to do a handball competition with Gary Ablett. <gasps> wow. Senior and or junior? Junior. No, junior. Wow. And wow. Um, he helped her cheat. <laughs> oh, that confirms everything I thought no, about it. No. He was gorgeous. My last bit of advice is if, if you're going along to any of the finals, just get there a bit earlier so you can eat your pie earlier because mm. you don't want to be eating the pie when they're singing the national anthem. Mm. I have choked on pastry before. Oh. Yes. Something good advice. H&S. I choked on pastry um, this week when I was watching the response to the Heredia Lumumba um, documentary. We talked about it last week. But the responses, and, you know, don't read the comments. Mm. I, I mean, how long? I'm going to have to get a tattoo that says that. Mm. Seriously, don't read the comment section. But the thing that I think I came to this week was there was two things. Firstly, if you haven't seen it, don't comment on it. Mm. So maybe just, you know, do your due diligence first and then make up your your mind. That's obs, isn't it? You would think so. Would um, think so. And secondly, I just want to say I am really okay with being schooled about vilification and racism in this country by people who have been vilified and who have had racial slurs um, kind of thrown against them since childhood. Mm. Being a white woman walking around in this world, I don't purport or pretend to know anything about what that would be like. Mm. And I just wish other people would kind of come to it with that too and, and think instead of trying to discredit people that they would actually just open their ears, sit back, not take it personally, mm. not take it as a personal insult. And there's lessons to be there's lessons to be had there. Yeah. That's what I think. I think, yeah, I think what Heredia Lumumba is trying to illuminate is actually systemic racism. So he's not, you know, really just trying to talk about the Collingwood Football Club. What he's trying to talk about is is something much broader. But because his story is one of, of football, that's where he draws his examples from. And so, and so that's why that's part of the story. And I think you're right. The challenge is to actually hear him, to listen and to absorb what he's saying, not to defend or make excuses um it also not to diminish what he's saying by saying either it's it's not true or he has issues and then questioning his mental health and i think there's been a big part of gaslighting in Mm. in in the response to what he's been saying or also by saying well we're doing a better job than everybody else so that gives us a free pass Mm. i think you know truth telling has a place in changing systemic oppression and it is hard not to get defensive, but for those of us who haven't experienced racial prejudice, the ball's in our court, and I think the least we can do is listen and learn. Mm, absolutely. One of the things I took out of it, especially the AFL response, has been really disappointing in terms of them saying that they met with him or that Tanya Hosh had. For a start, you know, Tanya, I believe that was an incidental encounter. It wasn't even a, a sit-down. But also the fact that it continually becomes this issue that about the marginalised being marginalised. It's it's the inclusion and diversity person who meets with 
you know, um, mm. Lumumba, not actually the AFL as an organisation. So once again, in the same way that the AFLW seems to be compartmentalised from the the rest of the AFL mainstream, there's, there are these little pockets that are supposed to deal. And all they do is they further enhance the, the entrench the marginalisation of these organisations, of these groups. Mm. Yeah, there's a great article in New Matilda by Chris Graham that came out this morning saying exclusive, you know, leaked emails reveal AFL's false claims that it met with Heredia Lumumba amid growing racism scandal and it does say that every uh, you know that what they're claiming uh, is is not the case and it's um he's saying it's the AFL's responsibility to properly tackle racism within the code the AFL lacks competence and understanding in how to deal with racism effectively talking about the broader thing and just like you said Lucy not singling out Collingwood as such and um, one thing I just wanted to say is from all this how much love has he got as well mm-hmm. I mean I, I don't yeah, defy watching that without completely being torn apart. Mm. I thought it was an amazing mm. documentary. Yeah, I really felt for his mum too. Mm. Absolutely. A, no kidding. A serious pain. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a story that just won't go away and it's and it's expanded in a sense in that um, obviously other players have come out this week and spoken about their experience all this and their support for him, particularly uh Cracker, Krakow. I'm, mm. I'm never sure how to pronounce his name, so sorry. Um, but also Leon Davis. Last week when we were here, I quoted a little bit of work from Sarah Ahmed, who's a race and queer and feminist scholar in the UK. And I just felt compelled to quote from her again because, and this is quite a famous line of hers, but it just really resonated in my mind. It's such a simple idea. But she wrote once, when you expose a problem, you pose a problem. Mm, and that's, that's what we've seen unfold, yep. I think, in these last couple of weeks, yep. sadly. It was interesting last night, Lucy and I went to the Spring Gala for stand-up events. And as you would remember, stand-up events works to stamp out homophobic language and attitudes in sporting clubs and especially from young sporting clubs. But but they've got great partnerships with lots of AFL clubs. And um, there was a panel last night and Joe Danaher was on there and Jordan Roughhead as well. And one question that was posed to them by Sam Lane, who did a really extraordinary job at managing, you know, at, um, implementing this great panel discussion, which is not easy in that kind of setting, mm. uh, social setting, um, was that she was saying, you know, how far have we come? And um, Joe Danaher was saying that at Essendon, it's absolutely not at all accepted behaviour for there to be any homophobic slurs and that that is a, as a club, that's where they stand up and that's what they say, we will not stand for it whatsoever. And Jordan Ruffhead was really honest and he said, we've got a bit further to go, but it's it's changing. And he kind of cited that it was the uh, kids coming up through the younger level that, that need the kind of work. But I was looking at the distance that they've come, that, that issue has come in a year and that is an uncomfortable conversation to have at the outset. But look at how far stand-ups kind of pushed that. And and now we have these really big celebrations around footy and LGBTIQ celebrations with footy. And I know that we have the similar for Indigenous round, but but race needs to be talked about. Mm. It's not it's not changing fast enough and it's it's lingering. And I think a part of that is that we all carry a shame with us. We all carry mm. a part of that mm. shame. But, you know, if we can start talking about it, you kind of release that a little bit and then you start learning by listening mm. and then it can actually change the story. Lou? I think to pick up on and what you talked about with that panel, um, one of the questions that Sam Lane 
ended with was what's the most useful conversation? What's the most useful way forward on this topic? And I actually think it's relevant for for race as well. Um, And across the four panellists, it covered so many different areas and I think it's really useful to to just mention them. The first was um, Emily Rowe mentioned how important it is for education at grassroots level, so local clubs, TAC Cups, those junior pathways, and so that that education starts at a young age and then transfers up. Um, Jordan Roughhead talked about how important it is in schools, and he was talking about, you know, say, for example, with marriage equality, if, if the vote is yes, that that's a step in the right direction, but that doesn't stop the bullies, that one of the things that really helps is having peers calling people out on their behaviour and how important role models are. Um, Joe Danaher talked about how important it is at the top level, so for executives and commissioners to allocate funds and finance and time and effort so that you reach down and then you reach out into areas, you know, for example, rural areas. And Meg Hutchins ended by saying that she'd encourage people to be more Ange, be more Angie Green. <laughs> and by that, she said to, to actually call it out, as you see it, to question people, to provoke thought. And she made the point that change doesn't happen naturally. It actually takes action and standing up. And I'd like to hark back to when we talked about bending the arc. And and I just thought that those four points were really interesting because it talks about there isn't one quick fix. It has to happen at so many different levels and people all need to be working together. Mm. You can't just appoint a commissioner and think that your job's done. There's a lot more more to do. Although huge props to Tanya Tanya Hodge. She's amazing. But she can't do it on her own. I think it's a good opportunity just off the back of that conversation. I've been doing my Indigenous education piece. This week what I've got for you is something very, very practical. And Kate Sear sent this to me. It's actually an app that you can get. It's called Welcome to Country and you can set your location services. And then as you're moving around in Australia, it will tell you whose country you're on and a little bit about the people and the language and the spirit and some of the key sacred sites in that area. So it's from the App Store. It was free, and it's called Welcome to Country, and I would implore you to get it. And as you're walking to the finals or walking to your friend's place to watch the game this weekend, <laughs> um, you can see what, um, you know... Which what, country you're Which on. country you're on, yeah. and I think it's really interesting. Now, there was an interesting article by Xavier Alice that came out this week. I've not read stuff by Xavier Alice before, but Katie, you put us onto it. Yeah, it was really interesting. So he wrote something and I saw it on, um, it was published over in Perth, almost kind of lost in a way. Like Mm. it didn't get a lot of publicity, but I thought it was a really fascinating piece because in a nutshell, what he was talking about was what it feels like to be a player who's come to the end of their career, to have been perhaps delisted or to have not gotten another opportunity. He recognised his own privilege, which I think was very important in that he said, you know, I I realise that not everyone will have a lot of sympathy for AFL footballers. We're highly paid, we're, we, um, you know, we're, we're often famous and so on, but not everybody is in that position. There are a lot of players who get a few games, get injured, don't ever get an opportunity again, sort of fall out of the system and are done. And so he had a lot of interesting stuff to say about pathways and future planning and and so on. It was very, it was a really human and very real and very raw piece. Um, he wrote, and I thought this was quite a, a wonderful quote. He said, "A cliche that gets bandied around when you leave a footy club is." that when one door closes, another one opens. But he pointed out that that's actually not the case for everyone mm-hmm. and that for a lot of people the door just slams in their face and yeah. they never get another opportunity again. So I, I thought it was amazing. And 
We'll yeah. put some links up to that article because I think it sits really nicely alongside our interview for today. The other thing that was interesting in that article is he talks about how hard it is sometimes to, even though a lot of clubs encourage people to be pursuing other career options and to study, that the having that gaze of a thousand fans following you means that you often actually feel like you really need to be very single-mindedly focused on your game Mm -hmm. and so that it is quite hard to have that split attention and so while there are a lot of programs in place to try and help players to have have backups and and other career options when they finish often the intensity of the football experience means that it's very very difficult to do that and he said that was particularly difficult when they were, you know when you're injured if you had rehab and all of those extra mm. um, obligations beyond the game and how hard that is and that's when you probably would get a sort of a, a reality check that it's more important because you realize how mm. short this window is but often that's when they have it's, to yeah, surrender also, I mean the emotional part of you know watching a whole lot of players getting chaired off and mm. then you know in the chaired. background chaired mm. off Kate, chaired on in <laughs> um, and then you know at the same time there's players just quietly being delisted yes. yeah. and mm. um, you know it's yeah it's a bit of a thud to yeah. the end isn't it imagine one person who's had a really interesting journey after being delisted last year is our guest for today i hope you enjoyed the interview today we welcome former west coast eagle mitch brown to the outer sanctum hey mitch hey how are we going yeah good thank you for joining us um mitch we just had a chat today about the article that Xavier Ellis wrote about what it's like being delisted and the journey for you has been a bit of a unique one in that you left West Coast to come back to Victoria and um, were hoping to be picked up and it it didn't happen. So you've been heard to say that you fell through the cracks a little bit with um, trying to get a trade to a Victorian club. Can you just talk us through how that process, what that process was? Well, yeah, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a strange one. So Late last year, the season was still on, and um, and to be honest, I haven't really told this story to too to many people. So mm. you guys are pretty lucky, but um, <laughs> um, we so, won't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> so August last year, um, obviously the season's still still going, and I've been at the club, the Eagles, for ten years now, and. I realised I the year before I had a full knee reconstruction, so I missed the whole season of 2015. Um, 2016, in the, in the pre-season games, I ruptured tendons in my finger, so I, I missed mm. the first half of 2016. And then I you know, just worked really hard to get back in the team, and all, I, all my focus was just play one more game, one more game. And, and I was lucky enough to do that. And then in August, I... So it was getting that time, I was out of contract and I was just walked into the, I guess, the list manager's office and uh, <laughs> and was like, okay, like, I just assumed that I'm, I'm good for one more. Like, yep. and, and I went in there and um, pretty much had the conversation of saying, hey, um, I know what I'm worth. I don't really care how much money. I just want to play. I love it here. My wife, Shay's playing netball. We both love it in Perth. And... Um, and then I, if you've got to offer me something, I'll sign it right here, right now. Mm. It's, I, love, I love the club. I, and it's not about money for me. It's about just having another another year at this, this great free club. And, and then it was, uh, yeah, it was a bit taken aback. It was um, the, the list manager was like, okay, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go have a meeting and with our list, list management committee and we'll suss it out. And from there, I... Uh, 
yeah, they came back to me and said, look, look Mitch, you're going to have to wait. Like, mm. we're not, we're not going to offer you a contract. And when I was told this, my, I was preparing to play Carlton um, at the G, and so we're in Melbourne, and my initial reaction, like, like I felt betrayed. Like, mm-hmm. I, I was I was hurt by my family. Um, and this is just being totally honest, and that was my initial reaction. It was just like, I, I've totally been blindsided here. I thought I was at least good for one more, and and went from there. So I was told that I wasn't going to get given a, a contract, and then for the five remaining weeks, I just went about it. I just was like, okay, I'm not going to get bitter about this. I'm going to use this last five weeks to sort of, I guess... I don't know, it might sound a bit weird, but celebrate my 10 years of, at the footy club. Yeah. Mm. Um, I don't want to be one of those players that just, you know, just checks out early. And, of course, we're ready to play finals as well that year. And so I used that for the last five years. Of course, I have my management team going, okay, is there any chance that <laughs> you can sign the contract or anything like you'll pay for free? And, um, and then I was like, no, no, no. And then... At the same time, my wife with the Super Netball, they dismantled the previous league, the ANZ Championships. And um, so effectively, all the netballers became free agents. So they, the girls were scrambling to sign contracts and get to teams. And and I couldn't give Shay an answer um, in terms of, does she sign with a fever? Because that's what she wanted to do. But yeah. because I wasn't going to get given a contract in WA... I had to look it back to Victoria or the Eastern States and does Shay come with me and does she look and explore? And So for her, it was a, it was a hard time because um, she loves the netball and that. And then we made the gutsy decision to go, okay, we'll knock, knock back the, the netball contract in Perth. And that, that really sort of, it was hard for her to do because she sort of grew up with that club and she was loyal to the fever. And, um, but... She made the brave decision to, to sign with Collingwood. And pretty much from um, the moment Shay called the Collingwood management and said, yep, let's do it. Like half an hour later, I got a phone call from the Eagles saying, and this is after the elimination final that we lost to the Bulldogs last year, and saying, hey, Mitch, we actually want you to play. Oh, uh, no. We're going to offer you a contract. <sighs> and then, like, oh, we, we finally... <laughs> You know, finally we were just like, hey, we're going to go back to Melbourne and then we, this comes and hit us and then we're back to square one where we're just confused what to do. And, and um, so... Like, oh, so I you came like, back. You came yeah. back to Melbourne and so Shay signed with Collingwood and you're waiting to see if you get yeah. picked up. Is that right? Yeah, that's it. And so I went in, I was honest, I went into the Eagles with the coach and list management and it's like, hey, if you guys need me to play, I'll dig in the trenches and, and it, I, even if I have to play in the waffle, I'll, I'll do it for you. If you want me to be here, I'll do it. Even if Shay goes back, I'll do it for you. And um, and then the other hand, I was like, but I am going to explore uh, because Shay's gone back to Victoria. I've got to go and see if there's any options available and just lay it all out in the line. And they, they were like, yeah, cool. Um, like, take your time. You've got this contract. Just take your time now. Um, we understand where you're at, and that's totally fine. Just be honest with us, and we're going to be good. And then, so I've, t- I've taken my time, and um, literally, like, 
nothing was happening in Victoria. That was fine. And it's, it's got to do with other things as well, with yeah. the so, CBA not being signed and, and things like that. Mm. Um, the salary cap, salary cap not being increased. and yeah. So you but, ended um, up in Melbourne and um, with Shay playing for Collingwood. Yeah. And... So what happened? You, you weren't able to pick up another club in Victoria, and you? Nah. So there's some clubs interested, but it, it was okay. That, that was fine. Like I knew where I was at in my career, and I had a few injuries to date. But I, I did know that I still had that contract from the Eagles. So mm. I was like, okay, like we'll, we'll do it. We'll, we'll live apart for a little bit, and mm. um, I'll give everything to the Eagles, and that's okay. It's fine with me um, because I do love the club. And then, literally day one of the trade period, <laughs> I get a a phone call because it was coming to the point where I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to the Eagles now and just just sign. I'm going to get it done. There's no other option now, and this is great. This is fine. And I was I was in overseas at the time with another teammate, and I was happy about that. And I literally I got a phone call when I was overseas. It was a bit weird, and it was from the Eagles, and they sounded a bit upset. And they're like, Mitch, I'm, I'm sorry for this. We're going to have to take your contract off the table. Oh, no. <laughs> and, uh, and, like, I, I literally got given the contract in my hands. I had it. <laughs> and then just got taken because obviously a few things had to develop pretty quickly with the Sam Mitchell stuff and things like that. And, yeah, just like that, just taken away from me. And I, I couldn't really do anything about it. How did you feel uh, about that? I was, yeah, I was incredibly upset. Yeah. Um, then I, it was a sobering moment of, hey, like, I've been, in terms of loyalty, means something to me. And we're, we, as a footy club, loyalty is literally in our core values and, and we have it written on the wall. Yeah. And the coaching staff, the club, they expect loyalty and they expect excellence and they expect um, us to go out on game day and give everything. They expect that from us. And then... What I felt that day was like, okay, they expect it from me, but then mm-hmm. when it's on on the other hand, they don't show it back. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty um, confronting, but, isn't it? I imagine. Yeah, I and I totally understand. I, I know where the modern day of foot, modern age of footy is at, and and it was okay. It was fine. It's just that initial. It was a bit upset, and I, I got off the phone. I was like, how am I going to tell my wife? Like, I, I don't know mm-hmm. what to say. Like, that's it for me. So I um. I pretty much put down the phone and and called a good mate and a, a previous coach of mine, John Worsfold, and was like, mate, I need a lifeline. I don't know what to do. Can you help me out? And Wusha was awesome, just giving some good advice. And he was like, oh, I'd love to have you if I could. But obviously, where every team's at, it's hard to just put players on the list like that. So mm. for me, it was, yeah, it was a bit of pill to swallow, but... Yeah, I guess it was a hard time in the loss. Yeah, I can imagine. Just the way it ended. I, I can guess. I can imagine too, you know, your twin brother Nathan plays for the Saints and he's had the ultimate success um, winning a grand final with, with mm. the Pies. I'm I'm a twin myself, so I, I do understand that, that, that yeah. you know, you measure each other a little bit against each other. So that yeah. how was that experience for you? Yeah, no, it's totally fine. Like we've always been supportive of each other all the way through our careers and the fact that Nate was still playing on and, and doing quite well now, that that's, that's you know, I'm truly happy for him. And, and that wasn't, you know, like I'm not jealous or anything. And, of course, I, I see him out there. And, and when I watch other players play, I'm like, geez, how good is this game? They're so lucky. <laughs> I'm so lucky that I've been able to play it as well. So, 
it's kind of weird, but it might be a twin thing. And and um, but when I watch now, now I go to all the Saints games and um, this year, and I still get the same nervousness, the feelings. It's, it's great. It's, <laughs> it's just, so good. You're in the stands, and, yeah. and this time you. At least you can have a beer in your hand and, <laughs> and have a drink. So. Yeah, they don't encourage that while you're playing. But um, so <laughs> <No>. Mitch, <laughs> Mitch, you have enough. been playing football though. So yeah. you you did come back, and Shay was playing for Collingwood, and you ended up playing for a different team this year. So who did you yeah. play for? Yeah, so I'm um, I'm currently with St Kevin's Old Boys yep. in the the Amateurs, um, the Vassa, and um, what's that been like? Absolutely loving it. Like initial when I finished up last year, I didn't know whether I wanted to play footy or not. And I've absolutely loved it this year. It's been been amazing, and and I always wanted to go down the amateurs path. Purely for me, it was just about enjoying your footy again. And and literally, in the amateurs, you you can't get paid. Like you yeah. have to play for the love of the game, the love of the club. Literally, they're saying is love of the game. So I was always going to go down that path, and it, and it's really instilled, reignited my love for football again. And yeah. I know I, I loved AFL, and it's a great experience, and I'll do anything to get it, to go back there. But at the same token, it becomes a business, and and I guess because of that, you lose that a little yeah. bit of that love and enjoyment. And um, this year, and just being at St Kevin's, and I'm sure it's at other footy clubs in the Amos and and in the country leagues as well. It's kind of I wake up Saturday mornings and just want to jump out of bed, and it's got that love of, of football that I had when I was younger, when myself wow. and Nate used to kick the the Oz kick ball, the synthetic rubber Oz kick ball around and trade cards, and it's just that and have the have the radio on of the the Saturday game with Rex Hunt, and, <laughs> and I just loved footy back then, and, and this year I've kind of sort of regained that a little bit, and. Yeah. I'm enjoying myself, which is amazing. And I'm actually playing better footy. It's, it's funny that way. Isn't that interesting? I guess there's less pressure and, and and the fitness, although the fitness levels are like you have to have a pretty good um, base in the um, in A-grade amateurs. But I feel like I'm a better footballer because mm. I'm enjoying myself. Less pressure. It's a it's game again. That Absolutely. And, mm. and I think nowadays, relating that back to the AFL, the professional level, We've got a unique game, this game of ours, and I think that you have to have this enjoyment. You've got to be able to, as a young mm-hmm. girl, anyone across the list, you want to be able to get up in the morning and want to jump in the car and get the training because, hey, it's fun. It's, it's enjoyment. It's fun. It's awesome. And because it's fun, it's enjoyment. I want to do that. I want to work hard as well. And when I work hard, I want to become a better player. And you play better and your team wins. In yeah. light of all of that, what would your piece of advice be to to a player who's you know currently in the system? Uh, I'll give two pieces of advice. <laughs> um, <laughs> you just got to learn. I know it's a hard thing because culture, culture anywhere, workplace or footy club, or sport, it's it's hard to change. But you got to create an environment that you want to rock up and you know work hard but have fun enjoyment. I mean, always liken footy clubs to year 12 where you just love, like, oh, you work hard and do your exams and that. Yeah. Year 12 is all those shenanigans. You've got to be able to have fun in and enjoy yourself. If you enjoy yourself, you want to, you love getting better. You love training. You love working hard. And, and that's when you get better. And the other piece of advice is obviously transitioning. You've got, got to prepare for, for life after footy. I can't yeah. stress that enough. And, and that could be something simple as 
don't take networking opportunities for granted when you're doing a clinic or the the, the club asks you to go up to a, a function room at a game or something and go and talk to people, get to know them and because once you finish, those people are the ones that, that want to help you. That is very good advice. Thank you so much for joining with us, Mitch, and thank you for sharing your story with us. No worries. We wish you all the best and um, look forward to watching what you and Shay do in your careers, but also having a little listen to your podcast. So I think you have a chat about netball. Yeah, the old netball podcast, two bits in a row. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah. So what's the name of the podcast, just so that people uh, can listen? Two, two bibs in a row. So myself, Bianca Chatfield and Sarah Alt. So Brilliant. Yeah, we just pretty much talk nonsense about netball, all the everything but netball. Love it. About netball. We're in so. touch with that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Mitch. It's no great worries. to have Thanks you on me. the Sanctum. Bye. Well, I like Mitch Brown a lot, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> One thing he may or may not be up to is Mad Monday. Yeah. <laughs> I don't love Mad Monday only because, I, I don't know, I'm not, I mean, I really love the concept of it. I think it's a very important day of the week. But what I'm saying is <laughs> I don't like how they get dressed up and there's nothing cohesive about the theme I don't like a shark talking to a, you know, Hannibal Lecter talking to someone <laughs> dressed as another player. Like, I, I want some cohesive theme. I don't mm. understand. They work as a team together all year. So, Why can't someone pull this together? You're so Sir Bob Geldof about it all with the <laughs> I don't like Mondays thing. I love it. I love it. I think it's hilarious. I think it's ludicrous. I, I agree that if there was a theme, it would be a little bit better, but I'm just going to throw it open now and put you all on the spot and ask you what you, who you would go dressed as, if you had to, okay, if you had to go dressed, because I would go as Kevin Rudd. <laughs> <laughs> so easy. Much. No, I mean, there's some props. I'd wear pants. a suit. I'd have a little Chairman Mao book and, <laughs> and then... I guess a bottle of tomato sauce. Mm. Best suck of the sauce bottle. <laughs> I'd, probably go, I'd probably shake, go as um, I'd go as Nana Muscuri. Oh, okay, that's a <laughs> wow. real conversation stuffer. That's okay. good. I I wouldn't be able to decide until Emma told me what the theme was. Oh, true. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank no, you I'm a real for follower. respecting me on I that. Oh, the anxiety around that. So obviously going to be Wonder Woman. Like oh. I don't even really have to do anything. <laughs> Boots, and I'm ready to go. It's the Amazon bit, isn't it? It is. Yeah. I think dress ups comes from like the era where you like you kind of stopped developing. <laughs> so for me, oh. it's like 1987, and You're it's definitely Madonna. Madonna. <laughs> Can I just say, I saw Dennis Armfield, um, who I love and adore, as I've said before on this podcast. I saw him this sorry, week. Sorry, Nicole, went... just for Nicole, David Armfield. Oh, Dave. Sorry, <laughs> he's known <laughs> to you as David Armfield. You would know okay. as David. David. Dave. I saw Dennis Armfield went as a character from Game of Thrones and it did get me thinking about the whole Game of Thrones. That could be a theme, but it made me think, you know, if Josh Kennedy, Sydney Swans Josh Kennedy, that is, were ever to go to a Mad Monday dress-up, I think he should go as Jon Snow because he's like the, the mm. person that was abandoned by his family, cast out, but is a hero and, and went on to greatness in, in another Nice. Another He'd spot. just have to come back to Victoria just to be able to wear that fur, though. <laughs> True. Plus, you haven't seen the rest of this. No, I know. I'm, only, I'm, only I'm not going to say anything, four. but hold that thought. I'm, I'm working my like way it. through it fast. Mm, I, like I like it, it a lot, lot. though. Um, now, the VFLW finals are this weekend. That's Sunday. Both games are on Sunday. Yeah, both games are at Piranha Park. So if you are in 
the vicinity, get down to Cobar- Coburg, not Coburg. <laughs> go there too. Coburg. Well, you can go to Coburg if you can find it. Um, so 11 o'clock, Melbourne Uni are playing St Kilda and then at 1 o'clock, Darabin are playing the Creekers. Mm. I really like that name. Mm, um, so get along all day. I have it on good authority. There will be a canteen. Oh, the canteen is oh. so great there. I just love the name Piranha Park. I know. Same. Piranha it's Park. awesome, isn't Same. it? Hey, one mm. thing that we've been doing that we haven't really been talking about on the pod is that we've been making these little videos slash, yeah. uh. let's call it our Addison TV <laughs> if you want. Um, they're little 13 minutes. It's us just, you know doing a bit of Sanctum style footy chat and um, if you are enjoying them or if you like them, we would love you to share them because that's the way that we know that you really truly did enjoy them. So um, we're putting them out on Facebook. They go on our Facebook page but they're also getting shared across the ABC's um, Facebook pages and um, YouTube. You YouTube. can find them on YouTube. Yeah. So we usually tweet out a link but we would love you to get involved. We usually pose off. a question. Find out probably this week who you would go as to Mad Monday. <laughs> In a theme. <laughs> Before we we're, – we're getting close to the end, but, Katie, you have something really special for Richmond supporters. I do. I do. So it's – obviously this is a very important time for all um, teams who are playing the finals, but it's especially um, a nerve-wracking time for Richmond fans. And so I wanted to offer up a prayer. Now, I can't um, take credit for having written this. It was written by David, who submitted it as a letter to the editor in a News Corp publication. And my mum, who, of course, is a massive Tigers fan, spotted it and sent it to me. And it's absolutely beautiful. So um, I wanted to share it with you all here and um, come together as a prayer for Richmond. It's the Dustin Martin prayer. (laughs) Our Dustin, who plays for Richmond, hallowed be thy name. Thy brown low come, thy magic done, interstate as it is at the MCG. (laughs) Give us this day our daily miracle and forgive us our losses as we forgive those who crumble against us <laughs> and lead us not into defeat, but deliver us the premiership. For ours is the flag, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Yellow and black. <laughs> oh, I love Congrats, that. David. Yeah. That's a religion I can get behind. Yeah, it's yeah, amazing. Absolutely. Hey? Um, have you guys seen Glow? Yes. So... I just saw Clementine Basto walking down the halls of the ABC with a massive belt. She's got this massive belt she's toting around. Clem's going to be um, podcasting kin along with us here at the ABC. How are you, Clem? I'm very excited to join the family. (laughs) Well, you're a real sister now. Yes. Yes, it's very exciting. So tell us a little bit about Behind the Belt. So we are really excited. It's me, uh, my brother Atticus, who is a sound artist, and our friend Cracker Jack the Mad Bastard, who... (laughs) The name suggests is a wrestler. (laughs) And we are, I guess, just throwing the world of wrestling open for fans, but especially for people who are maybe not sure if they would like it or or were keen to start watching wrestling but didn't know where to start. So each episode is going to be a bit of a a deep dive into different aspects. And I'm really, really proud that our first episode is about women wrestlers. It's awesome. Well, it's an awesome time. I really did love Glow. And you must have loved it too. Because also from a filming point of yeah. view. Like it's got all these, it harks back to the 90s. It's very key, kind of kitschy and awesome looking. But that's kind of what I love about podcasting is that you can really drill down yeah. into something that's, you know, it may not be everyone's bag, but you'll definitely find an audience for this. Oh, totally. And I mean, 
you know, I think like footy wrestling is one of those things that some people just go, oh, you know, what, mm. what, why would I care about that? And hopefully if, you know, they hear some interviews with some people who are out there literally breaking their backs <laughs> for the fans, <laughs> maybe they'll take it a bit more seriously. Is Cracker Jack on every episode? Yes, Cracker is, is the third member of our family now. Yeah, your parents must be thrilled. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> so do you have a female wrestler on this episode? Yeah, so we talked to three uh, who are really doing exciting stuff. Dakota Kai, who is from New Zealand and she's now at the WWE. So she's been called up. She's in the Mae Young Classic, which is the all-female invitational tournament. Um, and then also Bea Priestley, who is young and up and coming. She's from England and she's doing really well. And my personal hero, Kellyanne, who is a local wrestler, who's just an absolute legend. She's so smart and so brave. And I'm really excited for everybody to get to know them, apart from anything else. Did you ever wish that you were a wrestler? A little bit. <laughs> I knew that. I'm interested. What is the inspiration for, for wrestling? Why, why wrestling? What drew you to it? Do you know, I was always a little bit scared of it. My brother was the big fan in the house. I always thought that maybe it was scary or, or violent or something along those lines. And then when I went and saw it, it's it's kind of everything you want. It's like going to the Royal Show, but seeing a Shakespeare play at the same time and a really cool sports match kind of all rolled into one. So for me, it's kind of the narrative of it, the crazy culture, but also just the, the absolutely unbelievable feats of strength and bravery. We can't wait to listen and we hope all of our listeners will give it a go as well. Is it is it available now? It is up and running. So oh we're online. Gosh. There's a season preview and also our first episode about women's wrestling is Brilliant. up on the ABC website now. So it's behind the belt and you can follow you on. I've been, I've been following you on all your socials and I've been enjoying all the hamming up. <laughs> <laughs> so much hamming. We're going for a very like late 70s BBC, slightly low video vibe. Nice, yeah. nice. No, you're really nailing it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a compliment or not. It's a total compliment. Thank you so much for joining us to Thanks give us the me. heads up and um, we will see you all next week. Go footy. Go see you. Go finals. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.